0: question for you. Have you ever wanted to give yourself better odds on winning a bet? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to do just that. All players who place a bet on Sunday night's basketball game between LA and Denver will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right, for every 1,000 players who bet the over on Sunday night's game, the over-under will drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over in Sunday's Denver versus Los Angeles game helps to lower the games over-under. And the best part is, is that even as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. That's right, you can double your money by hammering the over. And if that's not enough excitement for you, there is a huge title fight happening this weekend at UFC 258 as the welterweight belt goes up for grabs. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on basketball and hockey and so much more all week long. We've got a busy week of NHL action coming up, and if you want to get yourself even more invested in the game, DraftKings Sportsbook is the app for you. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to hammer the over on Sunday night's basketball game when L.A. takes on Denver. For every 1,000 people that bet the over in Sunday's game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting, so tell your friends and family because this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code THPN. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another edition of the Teledabs. it is podcast. Your home. For everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when you sign up for access to exclusive offers. You know, when I wrapped up Thursday's show after just finding out that the Avalanche's game against the Wild was postponed, I had a feeling that this one was probably going to look the way it does right now because... Less than 24 hours after that show released, it was announced that the Avalanche would indeed have their games postponed through February 11th, meaning that they would have their next five games postponed to a later date. Those games obviously being the game against the Minnesota Wild that was supposed to take place on Thursday, the back-to-back against the St. Louis Blues that was supposed to be over the weekend, and the upcoming two games against the Arizona Coyotes on the 9th and the 11th all those games postponed to a later date that will be announced later and the avalanche will not be back in action until next sunday when they take on the vegas golden knights in the first game of a four game series but the third game of that series obviously the outdoor classic where the avalanche will meet vegas outdoors so what to do in the meantime we've got a whole show, and no avalanche news whatsoever to speak of. They played the game against the Wild on Tuesday. We talked about it on Thursday's episode. It was a gutsy win for the team, and after that game, I was planning on having three games to talk about today. It was supposed to be, obviously, the one against the Wild and the back-to-back against the Blues. Now we got nothing. The only avalanche news to speak of. Ever since that game, obviously the game's being shut down, that's kind of a big deal, but two players have been added to the protocol list since last episode, that being Captain Gabe Landeskog and Sam Gerard, who was added earlier today. Now, while it sucks to not have Avs games for, for what was half of this week and now for the entirety of next week, secretly this might be a little bit of a good thing for the team overall because as we know this team is dealing with a lot of injuries right now and needless to say they were suffering because of them I mean you want to just run through the list I mean McKinnon, Taze, Belmar, Calvert, Francois, Eric Johnson I mean the list goes on and on and on and it seemed like every single game someone else on this team was getting hurt and everybody was week to week and at least seven to ten days for Devontae's one to two weeks for Nathan McKinnon and basically week to week for everybody else but now they have pretty much a week and a half of no games to worry about at all so if the team can get healthy over this week and a half stretch and missing five games and then can come back against Vegas not with everyone back in the lineup but like even if it's just Devon Tays and Eric Johnson and Nathan McKinnon still needs a bit more time that's still something I mean were you excited to play the St. Louis Blues with basically half your roster missing I mean let's just like let's just say we went ahead and played the Blues I mean you could probably scratch Landeskog and Jost from that lineup, and now Gerard from the lineup as well, because they'd be out with COVID protocol. But let, let's just let's just say the Wild never even have the issue, and it doesn't spread to the Avalanche. It's not even a thing. So it's only injuries we're talking about here. Would you be excited to play the St. Louis Blues without Matt Calvert, Devontes, Pavel Frenzos, obviously McKinnon, Belmar, and Eric Johnson? Six players from the opening night roster. I would not be thrilled. I mean, they gutted out the win against Minnesota, the 2-1 to win, but it wasn't pretty. And they, the Wild, I'd probably say, win that game half the time. I mean, I went, I went on my rant about the officiating. I don't need to do that again for that game. But those could have been some brutal games in St. Louis, especially a St. Louis team coming off some frustrating losses to the Coyotes. The Coyotes just randomly have the Blues number. I've discovered, looking at their record against the Blues in recent years, so you would have been playing a very frustrated Blues team. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Avalanche didn't win either of those. I mean, it's it's tough. It's like, even if you just took McKinnon out of the lineup, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. And now you add Devontae's who was looking like a bit of the glue that held the defense together outside of McCarr on that top pair, just a real solid addition on that back end. You can tell they need him back, too. I mean, while Ryan Graves has looked better, they're, they're having their depth tested. I mean, not just Tays, but Eric Johnson. I mean, Johnson's been out more than he's been in this season. He's played four games, and it hasn't been consecutively. He's been suffering a lot this season. I'll get into more of Eric Johnson and potentially some stuff on his future later. But this could, in the long term, be a good thing. Even if it means, well, it is going to mean... Having to play a more condensed schedule down the stretch. I mean, you at least still have a chance to win those games with if with a full line, hopefully with a healthy lineup. I'm not gonna predict that all of a sudden the never no one's ever going to get injured again, and we're just going to have magically everyone working. But I mean, the entire fourth line are players that were not playing game one against the Blues. I mean, and while Logan O'Connor has been great with two goals in three games, it's not ideal to have the <clears throat> the fourth line of O'Connor, Sheldon Drees, and Kiefer Sherwood. You still want your guys like Matt Cal. I mean, before Matt Calvert went down, I was just saying that like while he hasn't got a goal, he's looked solid and a great depth player on that fourth line and Belmar was struggling a bit I think it's going to be a while before we see Belmar back in the lineup just based on how that injury looked but he's still a solid anchor to have on that fourth line and bring a little more of that physical presence so like I was saying overall I would not have wanted to play the Blues with this lineup not at all and I think they're getting off the hook a little bit here if you want to look at it Optimistically, because they are going to come back against Vegas with a slightly healthier roster, but on the downside, the roster is probably also going to be very rusty, because the first time these guys can come back on the ice at all is Friday the 12th, and then they also have to go to Vegas to play Vegas on the 14th, so they might have one day to practice on Friday and maybe Saturday, and then go to Vegas to play a Vegas team that has looked solid against the Kings after coming back from their COVID issues. I mean, Vegas looks very, very solid right now. I'll get into more of the whole sent the West Division. I'm still, st- I'm still, I still have a Central Division brain just because I'm so used to saying it over the years. The Avalanche are in the West Division, not the Central Division. Vegas looks like the favorite right now to win the West division. They look very, very solid to start the season, and they're tied with the Avalanche at 15 points, but Vegas has played nine games, and the Avalanche have played 11. Both have seven wins. The Avalanche have two more losses. Vegas 7-1-1, one, one. Avalanche 7-3-1, and, and they, in their game back against the Kings on Friday, they they looked very solid, 5-2, to two, and then earlier today this game just wrapped up they take out the kings again with a 4-3 to final the, the only losses for vegas this season was two five to two loss to arizona and they beat arizona three times out of four in that series and then a 5-4 shootout loss to st louis and shootouts don't count as losses in my opinions those are draws win or lose it should just be counted as a draw at that point so Really, their their record shows it. They're very, very good. They've they've won seven games, lost one, and tied the other one. And guess what? That's what the Avalanche are going to have to see when they come back. And it's like I was saying before the season, the games against the Blues and the Golden Knights are going to be your measuring stick games. And... While it might be a little unfair just because the Avalanche are going to look very rusty, I assume, in their game against Vegas, or maybe they won't. Maybe they'll come out flying with a healthy lineup and everyone rested, but I'd say the odds go against that at least. And Vegas is a very solid team. You're going to need to be firing on all cylinders in order to beat them, and you're going to see them four times over the course of eight days when you come back. You're going to be back for practice on the 12th. You're going to have not played since the 2nd, and going right into the action against a Vegas team that'll be probably shaking off most of their rust since their break and getting back into business, and you're going to be playing them on their home ice, and then you're going to be going to Lake Tahoe and playing outdoors. Um, Speaking of that Lake Tahoe game, I have not seen any, like, Rink building or anything like how how are they doing this? I've not seen anything for it. Like it's still happening, right? I hope so. I've like I've I've seen one commercial for it. What well, grand total of one commercial during an NHL game? I almost forgot it was happening for a few days. But like this is kind of like a special thing, like a new innovative thing that I'm surprised at just how little advertising it's getting that they're not they like they're not really paying a lot of attention to it or advertise like i'm sure over the next week it might start to ramp up but we're less than two weeks away from it as, as the time i'm recording this it's 13 days away and i've seen one commercial since it was announced i mean this is a cool thing like hockey like outdoors but like without fans like more natural sounds instead of like being in a stadium And out uh, it's ob- it's obviously not on the lake but it's going to be on the 18th hole I believe but it's still going to be like away from fans it's going to be a new experience I'm just I'm wondering why I haven't seen more of it but anyway like these games against Vegas they're going to be tough you're playing them on their home ice they're going to have played five games in between the time that the Avalanche had their games shut down and by the time they come back with games against the Ducks upcoming, and then one against the Sharks. I mean, you can hope for the fact that maybe they'll be tired since this game against the Avalanche on the 14th would be the second half of a back-to-back for them. That's, that's a weird schedule for Vegas. They play the Sharks on Saturday in San Jose, or in, I don't even know if it's going to be in San Jose. Do the Sharks even have home games anymore? It's, are they just stuck in Arizona now? So they're going to be playing on the road, whether that's in San Jose and Arizona against the Sharks, and then coming home to Vegas to play the Avalanche. So maybe the Avs will be rested and Vegas will be tired. I think that's, maybe you can hope for that at that point, but I think Vegas is a good enough team with a balance of experienced players and young enough players where that's not really going to affect them, especially since they just had a decently long break of their own. And I really hope that this game ends up delivering i hope that the avs can have nathan mckinnon back for this game and at very worst i hope he's back for the outdoor game because before the season i said that these games against colorado and vegas rank i'd say at least top three in games to watch this season across the entire league i mean with matchups like the battle of alberta and i gave me a name another one off the top of my head but vegas colorado i think at least in the west division is the matchup to watch and it'd be a shame to have it without Nathan McKinnon I mean it'd be it'd be like Vegas having it without their guys like Mark Stone or Petrangelo at this point like to not have Nathan McKinnon in it would just take the fun out of it it wouldn't feel the same I mean especially especially since we're having four of our eight games against Vegas all at once I mean it's not like we're never gonna see them again, but if this is gonna be half the season series right here. So if we still come into this matchup still injured, it's just not gonna feel the same. And like I'm looking, I'm looking forward to these Vegas matchups more than anything this season, even more than the ones against St. Louis and Minnesota. I mean, you can you saw in the games against Minnesota that there's a lot of hatred there, but I'm talking like just pure high class hockey with skill up and down the lineups like these are two very well constructed teams you can argue the two best constructed teams in the league I mean I've talked extensively obviously about how well the avalanche are put together and their balance of their roster but Vegas they've done I'd say just as well of a job over the course of ever since they had their expansion draft I mean getting a guy like Mark Stone to lead their team he was named captain this offseason and now they've got Pacioretty I mean there's Vegas doesn't have any passengers on their team is how I describe them they have lower end guys I mean guys like Nicholas Roy like yeah they're not stars but they're not going to be passengers like when they're on the ice you still have to pay attention to them they're a very deep team and their third line is no joke either I mean it's it's not a top-line team with just superstars. It's not like the Abs were a few years ago when it was McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog, and God help us, we need someone else to pitch in. I mean, their top line of Pacharetti and Stone is centered by Chandler Stevenson, who could barely crack the lineup in Washington before he got traded, and now they turned him to a top six center, and they got Their go-to line ever since the expansion, Marcia William Carlson, and Riley Smith. That's, you can argue, not as dangerous as a Stone and Pacioretty line, but still very, very dangerous. And then you go to their third line, a guy like Alex Tuck, who I think is very underrated, Cody Glass, who is turning into a very, very good center at just 21 years old in his maybe first full season. He made his debut last year and played 39 games, but this is the first season he's sticking around. He's turning into... looks like he could be a top top six center as soon as next season and they've got a very physical fourth line with guys like William Carrier Thomas Nosek and obviously Ryan Reeves and you can argue their their defense is their weakness but they added Petrangelo to that hopefully Petrangelo is off the COVID protocol by then even though Vegas is back he's still out with that hopefully Petrangelo can be back against Colorado I mean normally you you don't want other teams' best players in the lineup when they play your team. But I think when it comes to these games against Vegas, I, I really just want to see how the Avalanche end up matching up with them. Because, like I said a lot in the early parts of the season and before the season, teams not named the St. Louis Blues and Vegas Golden Knights aren't really tests. They're still games, obviously, that you have to show up for and pay attention to. We obviously saw what happened when they didn't. I mean, they they lost to the Kings, for God's sake, and they got destroyed by John Gibson in the loss to the Ducks, and they ended up losing one to the Wild as well. So it's not like you can't take those games seriously. But these games are the ones that will show really just how far this team can go in the playoffs. Because like I said... If you struggle against the Blues and Golden Knights, but you crush everybody else. Like let like let's say just for discussion's sake, you go 3 and 5 against Vegas and 3 and 5 against St. Louis, but you you lose one or two games to everybody else and you're first or second in the division. You're still odds are, if, especially if you finish in that second spot, odds are you're still going to be playing either St. Louis or Vegas. At this point, I'd wager St. Louis, but because Vegas, I think, is one or two. I mean, Vegas is Vegas right now is the division favorite based on how they're playing. They've gone off to a much more consistent start than the Avalanche have. But anyway, back to back to what I was saying, If you don't finish first in the division, you're going to be playing one of these two in the first round. And odds are, even if you do finish first in the division, you got to obviously get through that fourth-ranked team. I mean, playoff series are no joke, and anything can happen. But if you do and you get through, the second round is going to be either St. Louis or Vegas. And if you struggle against these teams like they did against the Stars last season before heading into the playoffs, they got swept by the Stars. And then they lost to the Stars. It didn't matter how dominant they were. Obviously, they took the Stars to Game 7 overtime without any goalies, but the Avs went down 2-0 in that series early, and they had Fransos at least for the second game for the full-time. Obviously, Grubauer got hurt in the first one, but if you struggle against these teams, it's going to hurt Faith going into the playoffs because you're going to have to go through at least one of them. Even if you win this division and avoid them in the first round, you're going to have to play them to get to that final four. And I think I think this Vegas team is really putting something together here. And I think they're going to be a very, very tough out. If you can go and play Vegas on their home ice, get at least one win there, and I'd like to see them win this series against Vegas. I, I expect it's going to be two to two against Vegas. We win two, we lose two. Maybe we can get an extra point in overtime, just even though loser points are stupid in the NHL. But I expect they'll go two and two in this one. If you can go four and four against Vegas, hopefully five and three, I'll have plenty of faith come playoff time. Because this Vegas team, they perform well in the playoffs against teams that are afraid of them. Like in their first in their first year, LA was terrified of them, and they got destroyed. San Jose, they could not play in Vegas, and they got destroyed. Winnipeg was terrified of them, despite the fact that they crushed them in that first game of that series, and then they lost the next four. The Capitals in the Stanley Cup final were not, and they punched Vegas in the mouth, and Vegas had no answer. When Vegas went up 3-1 against San Jose the next year, when the Sharks started fighting back, Vegas had no answer. Next year, the Vegas, they get two easy they got easy opponents they played the blackhawks and the canucks in the first two rounds that is as easy as a playoff run as i've seen and then when they faced dallas a team that could even begin to match them in talent they got crushed in that series so when you get to the playoffs against vegas you have to be able to take the game to them but you also have to not be afraid if you're getting pushed around by vegas a lot in this regular season and you just have no answer for them, come playoff time, you're going to be the team that has to prove something. And if you go down in that first game, then it's going to be tough to come back because if you let Vegas get in your head, they're going to beat you. You have to get in their head in order to beat them. And that's why I really want to see how these games go against Vegas because we had the first game against St. Louis. We did not play well. The team looked like a mess, 4-1 loss everything clicks in the second game 8 nothing. I feel like we haven't really had a game where we can really see what the avalanche are made of yet. Those two games in St. Louis, like I'd be re- I'd be ready to outright call them outliers. Like I don't when we play St. Louis again, whenever that's going to be, whether it's going to be in March when we're scheduled to see them next or one of the reschedules. I mean, if we don't if we don't see st louis again until april i mean you're gonna play vegas again before you see st louis again on march 25th so i don't think we've had a game where we can really see how the avalanche stack up against the best in the west division the games against minnesota were fun they were full of pushing and shoving and tough wins it's outside of that first one they were tough games but again the Kings, the Ducks, the Sharks, and even the Wild, they don't match up to this Avalanche team, and frankly, only maybe only one of them makes the playoffs, and I wouldn't expect them to get out of that first round, whether they're playing Colorado, Vegas, or St. Louis in that first round. So when you play Vegas, and hopefully both teams are at full strength, Vegas has Petrangelo back, we have McKinnon and Taze at very least back that's really the first time we're going to see how this team stacks up against not even just the best in the west but other stanley cup contenders because that's another thing about this season you're not going to be playing the other stanley cup contenders or at least the ones i've determined stanley cup contenders like boston at this point or tampa bay you're not going to see them at all so you can't see how you stack up against them so you play vegas four times in a row and that's really the first chance this team has this season to prove themselves and i hope they can do it because they they've looked good at certain points in this season and they've also looked flat at other times i mean obviously eight nothing against st louis 7-3 against colorado or i'm sorry colorado 7-3 colorado over the sharks and then 5-1 over the wild Those were the games the Avalanche looked the best, and the score showed it as well. There are other games where they played down to the competition, like the series against the Kings and the Ducks. And I want to see what team shows up against Vegas. But now that we've talked about the future of this Av season for a little bit, let's look back at how this season has gone through 12 games. We're about 20% of the way through the season, which is very very weird to think about it feels like we just started and we we did we've only really been going for about what four weeks now still feels like we just started but we're 12 games in and that's just about 20 percent of the 56 games we're meant to play and it's usually around 20 percent of the way through the season in a normal 82 game season that you start to see who emerges as playoff contenders and which teams look like they're going to bottom out. And I think in this season, I think the 20-game mark is going to count the same for that as well, just because that's when teams usually start to figure it out and get it together. But with the Avs not having any games right now, now's good a time as any just to look back at how the season has gone so far and who's performing the best. So let's go all the way back to opening night. Obviously, the avalanche with the disappointing opening to the season the 4-1 loss to st louis i mean i don't even re- i didn't even recognize that team watching the highlights from earlier today they looked so out of whack and just nothing went right for them grubauer didn't look good no one looked good really outside of burakovsky and then you get to that game on the 15th against the blues eight nothing win if, my, if i'm not wrong the biggest margin of the season for any team so far. Everything worked in that game. Just the exact it was the exact opposite of the game 2 days prior and you as, you assume that eight nothing Avalanche team is what you're going to see from that point on just because we like to be optimistic, but it turns out as we went on, we would get a bit of a mix between them. They would never be as bad, I'd say, as that 4 to 1 loss to the Blues, but I'd say they haven't been as good as that eight nothing win. I mean it's hard to be as good as eight to nothing, but I mean just like in the way they played. In that eight nothing win, it it didn't help that the blues just looked completely lost at a certain point. I mean the Avs they piled on like three goals in a row and they just looked like they wanted to do nothing but get on the plane and go home. And they poor they put poor Villy huso in net for that game and That was his first, like, NHL minutes, I believe, and he got scored on 90 seconds in, and the next 19 minutes did not go any faster for the poor guy. Avalanche, they move on to L.A. to play the Kings, and these two games against the Kings were where I started to get really frustrated because they go up 3-0 against the Kings early, but the Kings look like they're pushing the action every here and there. They get two goals in the second period, really pull away, and you think, okay, well, this game's over. They're a better team. The Kings, they just came out firing, and the Kings started to come back. They get two goals in the third, and the Avalanche, they had really nothing to show whatsoever. They did not look good, and I warned that if they played like that again, they'd probably lose, and then, lo and behold, you go two days later, and they did lose to the Kings with an even worse performance. It was Practically just Nathan McKinnon showing up in this game with Rantanen showing up as well. Hunter Miska's first start, and this was this was a bad game. I'd say this was the worst game of the season. They get two goals in the first period, Rantanen and McKinnon, the big three of the team, really. McKinnon, Rantanen, and McCarr. they get the only points. And then Drew Doughty on a five-on-three due to lazy penalties. Gabe Velarde goes upstairs on Hunter Miska, and then... At that point, it's 2-2, whatever, you took a period off, you still have 20 minutes, but then the Kings pushed them around again for the entire third period. Adrian Kempe scores the game-winning goal with a little under four minutes to go, and I don't remember the exact shot total for the third period, but it was bad. The Kings outshot them in the game, and I i don't think the Avs got a shot on goal from what I remember until the final two minutes of the game in that third period that was a a very bad game and you go to the next night a day later against the Anaheim Ducks the the Avs squeak away with that one a 3-2 overtime win that I'd say they really didn't deserve to win all that much but they they did Jonas Donskoy his second of the year he gets that one early in the game Hampus Lindholm ties it early in the second Miko Rantanen Continues his blistering pace at that point. Bowen Byram's first NHL point on that sick pass. Ducks tie it up a little over a minute later. I mean, I'd say the Ducks really deserve this one. Grubauer stood on his head in this one. He really stole that win himself. This It really was Philip Grubauer stealing that win. It was not the Avalanche finding a way to win. And then lo and behold, you go to the 24th, and the Avs lose to the Ducks on To be fair, a spectacular performance from John Gibson. I mean, the fact that it wasn't a shutout just it doesn't do justice to how good Gibson was in this game and how many posts the Avalanche hit as well. It was at this point that I was very frustrated with the team. They're not playing up. They go two and two, and they have to go in overtime with the Ducks. They were playing down to their competition. They looked sloppy. And we all know they could be better. So then there we are six games into the season. We have one impressive win over the Blues and then five mediocre games. And thankfully, once you get to the Sharks series, things start to look a lot better. This, this is where the team looked like they really started to turn it around. At this point, they were still mostly healthy. And first game against the Sharks, 7-3 to win one of their better games of the season they just they lit up the poor sharks goaltending in this game which is the worst in the league the sharks do not have a goalie whatsoever and this was great to see the second line finally start firing in this game as well get brandon sod finally going with two goals in this game defense looks great in this game too gerard and Taze. one of their better all-around performances of the season they follow that up with Excellent game from Philip Grubauer. The 3 nothing shutout over the Sharks. All their goals coming in the third period. Nazem Kadri's best game of the season with two goals. We're still looking to get that form from Kadri consistently so far, 12 games in. And it's starting to get to the point where I'm a little concerned, especially now that with McKinnon out, he couldn't step up. I mean, I wasn't expecting him to go up to the top line at all just to keep that second line together. But he... Did't look great in that third period against the wild after McKinnon went out and the game after with McKinnon out. I'm hoping I hope Kadri can find that form soon because we need it. Even when McKinnon comes back, we're going to need him at his best eventually. Like I I pushed patience earlier in this season. I said, be patient, he'll find his form, and then he has that game against the Sharks with two goals. And it looks like he's about to find his form, and then you don't really see it against the Wild in that three-game series. It would have been four-game series. Obviously, the game got canceled. I just need to see a little more because Burakovsky and Sod on that second line looked great beyond this game. They've looked spectacular, and it's great to see Brandon Saad firing after his poor start to the season. I mean, Brandon Saad... Now that he's going, he looks like the perfect addition to the team. I mean, does he not? He looks perfect so far. I mean, put him alongside Burakovsky. And I do think Kadri is going to get going eventually and start to put up points more consistently and just not look as lost as he's been at certain points and take less dumb penalties. But even without that, Saad is really starting to find his groove with the team. I think his early struggles just had to do with playing with a new team, and that's just human. Sometimes when you get traded to a new team, it takes a second to figure out the systems and get chemistry with your line mates. But now that he does, and I think Burakovsky is a perfect wing partner for him as well. We'll see if that chemistry with Kadri is there eventually. I'm not not at all calling it quits on Kadri anytime soon. If we get to, like, March... Like almost mid March, and Kadri's still not going. I, I will be concerned. I mean, I'll be I'm concerned right now that Kadri isn't fully going yet. But he's gotten off to slow starts plenty of times in the past, even when he was in Toronto with the Leafs, and especially last season. But like I've said in previous episodes, like we don't even remember that now because he was so good when the playoffs eventually did roll around. He was almost a point per game in those. So ultimately, I just, I think in a few months when the season is starting to wind down and we're starting to get into playoff talks, I think we're not even going to remember any of this. Kadri's not going to be a point-per-game player. That's just not the kind of player he is. But once we get to the playoffs, he's going to be a valuable contributor, especially sticking him alongside Burakovsky and Sod. I mean, when Kadri's rolling, he works really, really well with those two. I mean, it helps that those two are also just really, really good, but... Kadri's always going to be a bit more of a late season playoff performer. We could never really see it in Toronto because they were just bad for so long. But even in the few times they made the playoffs, well, let me, let me walk that back a little bit. The one time Kadri played a full series in Toronto, he played the series against Boston in 2013, looked all right in that. He played the full series against Washington when the Leafs made the playoffs again in 2017. He was very effective in that series against the Capitals and then he got suspended twice in the two years after that against Boston which basically in turn necessitated the trade out of Toronto and butterfly effect Butterfly Effect. now he's here in Colorado and as we saw in the playoffs last year he was dominant so I hope once we get to the playoffs again we can see more of that and Even without him fully rolling yet, that second line since Burakovsky has been back has been great, like I've said. And adding Saad to that mix is just the perfect addition to it because Jonas Donskoy is playing great this season, but I'm happy we, we can put him on the third line and get more depth scoring from him rather than having to rely on him in a top six role because... Jonas Donskoy just fits better as a third-line winger. And yes, he's up there in goals with the team. He's on an absolute bender right now on goals, deflections, and everything like that. And that's great, but I still don't love him on the second line. And I didn't love it last year either. I I was fine with it at the time. I mean, Burakovsky, Kadri, Donskoy was still a very good line, but it just seemed to be a bit of a talent drop-off still after that first line and it didn't it ultimately didn't matter obviously the Avalanche were very very good last season as we all know but it just seemed like they needed a bit more of an upgrade there and they had to move Donskoy about in the lineup a lot I mean not entirely because of him but there were injuries and everything they had to deal with but it almost seemed like Nechushkin was kind of Going alongside Burakovsky on the the left and right wing, and Donskoy eventually moved down to that third line for portions of the season. Anyway, so that's why I like Saad up there instead. And you can see Donskoy thriving in that third line role rather than okay, tonight you're on second line, now you're on the third line, now you're on the first line. Like it just seems like once he has a more consistent role that's when he does better. And that works for Burakovsky as well. When he's on that second line and he stays on that second line, the longer he's there, the better he performs. And it's the same for Donskoy as well. But I'm starting to get a bit off track here. So anyway, the games against the Sharks, 7-3, 3-0. I'd say their best two-game stretch of the season. I think that's even without a doubt. Kadri looks a lot better, like I said, in that third, second game against the Sharks before I went down that tangent. Then you have the 5-1 win against Minnesota, and just really, this is where injuries start to rear their head, you see, this is where Taze starts to go down, this is the first game he misses, and the Avalanche, they still play very well, in spite of all that, their stars are rolling, their depth is rolling, Grubauer's still rolling, first goal from Logan O'Connor, just talked about Donskoy, he gets on the board as well, and then you see and continue his role. We'll talk more about Rantanen later. Brandon Saad with another goal and JT Comfer with his first of the season, which was eventually great to see. Burakovsky racking up points as well. One of the more well-rounded performances of the season. The Sharks game was high scoring, but I really credit that more than just the Sharks don't have a goalie. Like this, this was the game that I was really satisfied to see. It It looked like, and I said this at the time, what I expect the Avalanche to be against a team like the Wild. The Wild looked outmatched. They looked completely outmatched by the Avs. And that's what what it should be when the Avalanche play teams that aren't the Golden Knights or the Blues. When they match up against teams like the Wild or the Sharks or the Ducks or Kings, the other teams should be outmatched because they are just... When you, look at, when you compare the rosters, they are absolutely outmatched, and that's why I was frustrated after playing the Kings and Ducks, because they were absolutely giving us a run for our money. And then you have these games against the Sharks. They look outmatched. Game against the Wild, they look outmatched. And then the next night, this is where some of the wheels start to fall off the wagon. I mean, Hunter Miska comes back in. He looks very shaky. The Avs, they still play decently in this game. It's not like they were bad but this is where nathan mckinnon goes down and then that third period brandon sod scores again assist from Kadri, and then wild tie it up and eventually win it in overtime at, at this point of season we just didn't really care even about the loss the fact that we got a point out of it is great when you consider the grand scheme of it i mean a back-to-back on the road you'll take three or four points any day it was this point we were waiting for news on mckinnon and then it's revealed he's going to be out for well first it's revealed that it's not as serious and we were like oh so he's going to be back soon it's like and he's week to week which is not at all what i was hoping for but it eventually was revealed it was a week or two and then we get to the current point the what the Final game against the Wild, the Avs hold on to win 2-1 to one without Nathan McKinnon or Devontae's or half their lineup. Basically, they get two depth goals from O'Connor and Nechushkin, and the Wild only goal from Kaprasov after that ridiculous officiating, and that takes us to where we are now. The Avalanche, our second in the West Division behind only Vegas and... I want to take this time now, now that we've kind of caught up on where the abs are and how things are looking, to really just take a dive into how the division looks so far. Obviously, the Avalanche second right now in 11 games. They have 15 points, 7, 3, and 1. You can't complain about it too much. I mean, they've had a few clunker games, games where they could have looked better, I was frustrated about them at the time, but in the grand scheme of the season, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter how good you are. You see you see, even the best teams. Like, even when Tampa had that ridiculous President's Trophy run and tied Montreal all-time in the wins record, they still had clunker games, and games where they could have looked better, and games where they just barely squeaked by. I'd chalk a lot of those games up to just, we're still figuring things out. I mean, the team just didn't look gelled yet it looked like just things weren't clicking yet and then when things started clicking you get the game against the Sharks and the dominant game against the Wild that's what this team should look like and then they start dealing with injuries but they do go into this break with the win against the Wild so they go they'll go almost two weeks without a game before they play Vegas but at very least going into this break at least we didn't have to deal with a loss but Avalanche are playing very, very well. In terms of the league as a whole, I'm going to look at points percentage just because it's such a mess right now in terms of games played. I mean, Tampa Bay and Vegas have played nine games. They both have 15 points, but points percentage wise, they're the best teams in the league at .833, but in terms of points, they're fifth and sixth. So the Avalanche have a points percentage of 6.82, which is okay. It's tied with Winnipeg. It's better than the Blues. In terms of where they would rank as a whole, I mean, and this season's tough to like rank other teams. It's it's almost pointless to look at league standings as a whole because they just don't matter this year, because every team in different divisions is just they're it's not the same schedule. Not it's not an even schedule like not at all. It's basically different leagues entirely. So looking at league standings is pointless. But just for this, I'm gonna look at it. So the Avalanche, they would be about fifth in terms of point percentage behind the maple leafs the bruins the canadians the lightning and the golden knights they'd be just they'd be just behind the flyers as well so i'd put them in about sixth as well oh man this is even more of a mess than i thought you have teams below them in 11th and 12th like carolina have played nine games i forgot how much of a mess the central was with covid for a while so you'd put even them at seven seven eight i mean God, COVID's gonna make this whole thing a mess. I mean, you know what? I'm giving up on looking at the league standings. It's a mess right now. So, in the West, the Avalanche are second behind Vegas, eight six two point percentage. Vegas at, I'm sorry, six eight two point percentage, and Vegas at eight three three. Colorado is a plus fourteen goal differential, and that is very propped up by the eight nothing win over St. Louis. And obviously, Vegas in first, seven one one, and then. St. Louis has played one more game than us, and you can chalk that up to them playing Arizona today because of having to eventually reschedule our game as well. If that didn't happen, we'd both have the same amount of games played, and we'd have a game against each other, so we could have much more of a clear result. But as it stands right now, we've the Blues have played one more game than us and lost one more game than us. So they are 7-4-1. and one. We are tied at 15 points and now you start to get to the real meat of the division. I mean, 1, 2, and 3 in this division, it's going to be any combination of the three. We all have 15 points right now. If Vegas had the same amount of games, they'd be a few points ahead, just because I, I think they would be at this point because they're a very good team. But we're all at 15 points right now. And one, two, three is going to be any combination of the teams, whether it's Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, Vegas, Colorado. I still think Vegas and Colorado are going to finish ahead of... St. Louis and St. Louis is going to finish in that third spot just because St. Louis doesn't have that same level of talent. They they have just a few more questions, I'd say, than both Vegas and Colorado, but not by a lot. I'd say it's maybe like a, a four-point difference between them come the end of the season. But moving on from the top three, after this is where it starts to get interesting. Right now in fourth, you have the Ducks at 13 points. They are 500, 500, 5 5 and 3 so technically 5 and 8 I hate loser points so they have a they have a win and a half worth of losses when you look at it that way and behind them is Minnesota with 11 games at 6 and 5 I mean I mean point I'm going to do the points I'm going to do the loser point thing again I hate it so much I mean the wild have played less games they've won one more game but because the ducks have lost 3 games in overtime they have one more point than the wild. I, that is absurd to me. Despite the fact that the ducks are five and eight, and the wild are six and five, the ducks have more points. It's so dumb. I hate it so much. It's the worst system. I mean, no other league does this when it comes to determining standing. It's like it's like if you lose an overtime in football, They give you, like, a half point. I mean, they have ties in football, but at least that's an actual result. It's like, oh, it's a tie. It's a half win, half loss. And it's not like, oh, you've lost, but it was an overtime, so it's a half loss. Like, it's dumb. They don't do that in baseball. They don't do that in basketball. In basketball, they play until you win or lose, and then it counts as a win or a loss. And, like, I go back and forth on my opinion on it all the time. Like, oh, they should go to a 3-2-1 but like they should just go to wins and losses. If you lose in overtime, it's a loss and get rid of the shootout because it is not a way to decide games. You, like this league has no idea how to determine their own standings and no idea how to properly end games if they're going too long. I mean, it it's the worst in the league. It's the worst in American sports of any league. It's behind football, the NFL, they end in ties, which is stupid. And then baseball and basketball, they go until the the freaking game's over like until you have a winner and a loser and they don't give you pity points for losing the game it's beyond ridiculous but i've talked about that enough before and i'm sure i'll talk about it plenty of times again but sixth place Arizona right now they are 5-5 five, five, and 1 they've beat up on the blues a little bit that pushes their record up now to 11 points they are 500 as well seventh place the sharks 4-5 and 1 9 points 450 50 point percentage <clears throat> and last place you have the kings 11 games played. they are three six and two one of those wins coming against the abs and one of them against the blues and they just played the kings for the they just the kings just played the golden knights for the first time and lost both of them so they've gotten some points against the top teams in the west but they're still struggling a bit i mean these standings are kind of looking right now as I expected them to with a little bit of variance. I I had the Wild in that fourth spot. And based on point percentage, they are in that fourth spot. If you take out loser points, they would be in that fourth spot. And you'd have Arizona and Anaheim tied for fifth and the Sharks and Kings. And I think based on that, I think these are actually my exact predictions. And I'm not, I'm not celebrating and claiming that I'm smart yet because there's 80% of the season still to go but if I were to revise my predictions at all honestly I don't think I would if I were I mean I'm less confident if anything that Colorado's going to win the division than I was just because not because of Colorado but because of Vegas Vegas has looked better than I thought they would it's not like I thought Vegas was going to be bad but they look very dominant and like I know they're beating up on the worst teams in the division right now. They've only played one game against the Blues, and they haven't played the Avalanche yet, but they've looked very good in those games. So, I mean, if anything, this game coming up against the Avalanche in a little under a week or two weeks for that, one week, play them next Sunday, so a little under a week, six days from now, is really going to be the first time or the second time you see how the Colton Knights match up against another stanley cup contender or division favorite in the west as well so that first game especially if everyone in colorado's is healthy is going to be very interesting for both sides that's going to be a very very good four-game series but i wouldn't i honestly wouldn't you know what i'd keep colorado on top for now and i'd still have vegas in second and st louis third and the way the standings look right now are the way I had them, so I'd see no reason to change them. And looking around the rest of the league, let's see, what have I been the most wrong on so far? The thing I've been most wrong on so far is Edmonton. They still look terrible in that Canadian division. They still are 6-7 and seven and can't string together wins. I mean, they're in the playoffs right now, but the Canadian division sucks. It's... It's great to watch, but it sucks. Toronto and Montreal are looking like easily the best two teams in that division. But the rest of these teams look like a mess. Winnipeg is fine, I guess, but their defense isn't great. And they they might just make the playoffs by default because everyone else behind them looks like such a mess. Edmonton, Vancouver, Ottawa sucks. They might be one of the worst teams of all time. Somehow they've managed to beat both Toronto and Montreal, but... Edmonton's been the team I was most wrong about across the league like I thought they'd be second in that division like you'd start to see them really come together but again I underestimated just how bad their goaltending is let's see move out east what have I been wrong about here I was kind of wrong about the Islanders I mean the Islanders have plenty of time to turn it around but I just thought they'd look more consistent but I I was wrong about Boston I was very very wrong about boston they look dominant i kind of predicted them to be on the fringes and maybe suffer a little bit after some of their losses in the offseason no i was very wrong about that they look like still one of the best teams in the league and they they beat up on the caps they beat up on the flyers they're beating up on a lot of these teams in the league i think they're going to win that east division See, out west, like I've said, that's pretty much what I predicted so far. The central division, we're still seeing how that's shaking out due to all the COVID issues and everything, and teams missing games. You have Tampa, one. You have Carolina and Florida tied at uh, 7.78 points percentage, two and three. Uh, here's something dumb Chicago is in fourth place, <laughs> and mainly because they played ton more games than Dallas, who is eventually going to be up in that spot once they catch them there. But the Blackhawks did beat Dallas earlier today, so what do I know, apparently? And the Blackhawks have four overtime losses, so they have two wins worth of losses because that just makes sense. It just makes sense that the league still insists on having those, but I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Columbus in fifth, five hundred, they're they have line A now, but I don't believe in the blue jackets right now. They look a Bit of a mess. Dallas is gonna catch up and eventually pass Chicago, and Nashville does not look good again. I'm tired. I'm tired of the Predators. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm tired of the Predators and like thinking they're gonna be good. They went on their Stanley Cup run in 2017 and they won the President's Trophy, and they have been just a mess since. They've not looked great. They were bad last year. They looked bad again this year, and you get to the bottom and it's Detroit at eight points. So, I mean, the season's, it's, I think we're at the very weirdest point of the season where it's kind of too early to predict what teams are, but you can also kind of see who's going to be the contenders. Like, you can clearly see Toronto, Montreal. They're going to be one and two in the north. Boston is going to be one of the better teams in the east. Philadelphia, I'm not, they look very good, but I'm not sold on them yet just because it looks like they have a very high shooting percentage. Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, that is going to be the top 3 in the West. Tampa Bay is going to be the best team in the Central. Carolina, they they make it concerning at some points during their games, but they're 7 and 2 and they look fine. Florida's been a bit of a pleasant surprise, but they just lost to Detroit, so we'll see if that sends them back at all. I think it's going to be a very interesting next 80 percent of the season i think a lot of things are going to change but it's going to be a crazy crazy season i th- we still don't know how the rest of the season's going to shake out. i mean we don't know if the season's going to be put on pause at all due to covid i hope it doesn't because these games have been great to watch but the way they're getting beat up right now it's hard to just dismiss it as not even a possibility because it might happen And I hope it doesn't. And if it does happen, it's not going to be for another six months like it was last time. It'll probably be for like two weeks at most. But enough of an annoyance that it's significant enough. But I think that'll do it for this episode today. Nothing new to talk about with the abs. All we we can really do is look back and look around at the rest of the league. For next episode, I'm going to be reaching out to a lot of my fellow hosts on Hockey Podcast Network in the West Division to give us their accounts of their teams in the division and just seeing how they're doing so far from their perspectives and seeing how the Avs match up to that at that point. But I think that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the It Is podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. There is no show without you guys, and I really, really appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter at G Young's NHL and follow the show at Tell It Is. I've been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time.